And a couple of years after college, as we were expanding the, the agency and, and there wasn't just the founding partners as part of the, the team, I think that's where the big growth happened, which was when we started implementing processes. And, and that's a big thing that I think even today helps us stand out in the marketplace because a lot of video production companies are, are kind of black boxes of secrets. Welcome to Video MBA, the podcast where we dive deep into the dynamic world of video production and explore the art and business behind the lens. Roll it. Today on the podcast, we're speaking with Tori Tayanenka, president of Sparkhouse in Orange County, California. Sparkhouse is one of the leading production companies in LA, and with Tori at the helm, the company enjoys a lot of referrals and repeat customers, which he says makes up the majority of its revenue. So how does Sparkhouse ensure repeat business? Well, that's one of the questions we've got for him on today's podcast. And so without further ado, I bring you Tori Tayanenka. All right, I'm here with Tori Tayanaka. Tori, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tori, you've been in, around the video production business for some time. You had your first startup in high school all the way through to today. You're, I mean, you're running a great agency, CEO of Sparkhouse. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And again, I would have, I would have introduced you properly here prior to this interview, but why don't you sort of give us your origin story and sort of tell us how you got started in the business? Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, I, I did start a version of Sparkhouse. We had, we've changed our names a few times and rebranded through the years, but I started a, a version of Sparkhouse, a video production company back in high school. Basically, I was, I was taking a video production class in high school, um, really enjoyed it. And obviously, we're, we're doing kind of my own little fun videos as a, a, like a high school kid. Now, this is even before YouTube really was popular, but just make, making fun videos, whether it's with my water polo team or just with some friends. And my mom actually was and still is a, a residential real estate agent. And she knew I was really into video and basically one day came home and said, you know, hey, check out this video. I, I hired a company to film this house of mine uh, that that she was trying to sell. And uh, again, this was all kind of new. Uh, people weren't doing that to to promote houses yet. And as a high school kid, she said, you know, I paid someone one hundred and fifty dollars to do this. And I said, you know, that's not even a good video, and I'll do it for half the price. And that that's where it started. That's where I figured out I could make money making videos. And so that's how I got my foot in the door, started making videos for real, real estate companies, expanded that into uh, almost a full service marketing agency. We did websites and we did printing and, and design work and things like that. Um, and as that grew, basically the real estate market then crashed in 2008. And I Good. decided to head to film school and focus more on the creative aspect and um, graduated from USC film school, came back to Orange County, and then started doing what we're doing today, which is more branded content, commercial work, helping companies use video basically to grow their business, promote their product, promote their business, things like that. Describe for us like an average day for you as uh, owner of Sparkhouse, give us an idea of, of you know, the day-to-day -day activities. Yeah. So, I mean, in the office, as being a creative company, we start late. So um, 
and we, we work late and we, we sleep in. So at the office here, we start normally around 10 a.m. In the office here, we have producers and post-production people, the editing side. So a lot of what we're doing on the, on the bulk of our days is, is prepping future productions. So that might be doing things like casting actors, finding locations to film at, writing scripts, things like that, booking schedules and thing, uh, things around the pre-production side. And then we also have the post-production team, the editing team. So they're going to be in here editing editing videos, animating graphics, finalizing things that we've already filmed, things like that, and, and delivering them to the client. So that's happening every day, Monday through Friday. And then about two, maybe three days a week, we also have uh, on-location or production days. And so I guess we, we have a mix of how those go. The, we have multiple sprinter vans where we actually go out on location and film you know, at a business, whether it's like inside their manufacturing facility or talking to their team members, or we also film on location at like rented areas. So we'll rent a lot of houses or get permits to go film at, at the beach or a park where we might be promoting more of a product instead of just a company. And we'll do the filming there. And then we also, the last thing we have is, is a studio actually here in our, in our office here in Costa Mesa, where we will build a set that uh, we've built fake uh, conference rooms, bedrooms, things like that, where we'll film in the studio. It just depends on the creative um, of how we approach that. So again, on the day-to-day, -day, we might be prepping or finishing a project here. And then I would say the, the busier days, uh, we're actually doing that that actual film production. But in the end, we're, we're a full-service video production company. How long, Tori, did it take to get to sort of the high-performance company that you've got right now? You mentioned at first it was... Uh, a couple of realtor videos, but now you've jumped ahead some time. Can you give us a, a sense of sort of the ro the speed bumps that have happened along the way? How long did it take you to sort of get to where you are now? Yeah, we came up and I think at a different way than a, a lot of other companies, we didn't ever take funding to, to grow the business. It was a lot of Again, like I said, I was a filmmaker. I am a filmmaker. So I actually would go out, do the filming, do the directing. We would get paid and we would put that money back into the business to grow that, you know, kind of slowly. Um, so it definitely wasn't like an overnight thing. We would film something. We would buy a, a better camera. We'd film something. We'd buy better lights. We'd film something else. We'd buy something else um, and kind of grow that Probably around a couple years after college, as we were expanding the, the agency and, and there wasn't just the founding partners as part of the, the team, I think that's where the big growth happened, which was when we started implementing processes. And, and that's a big thing that I think even today helps us stand out in the marketplace because a lot of video production companies are, are kind of black boxes of secrets where they, they don't really communicate super well uh, schedules and timelines and, and deliverables with their clients, or at least that's the experience that I've been told by, by the clients that say, you know, we're a breath of fresh air when they work with us. But we have a very specific process that we've built so that we can plug and play, whether it's adding an outside director or a cinematographer that has never worked with us. They know exactly where their job starts and where their, their responsibilities end. And once we implemented that system, that allowed us to then scale basically as, as quickly as we wanted to or as we had the clients coming in. Like through a project management system or something like that? Yeah, so we, we've changed the actual technology of how we uh, implement that process. We've used 
everything from project management side. We have like Asana and Trello, and uh, we've used Monday. Right now, we're currently using a system called Rike, and we've been using that right. probably for the last four or five years. But it, the the process was more literally just writing it down on paper and having um, we have about. And we might skip a step, we might add a step, but it gives us the the kind of bones, the blueprint to every project. And again, at the beginning, when we were, I would say, kind of winging it, in my head, I, I really fought this, uh, the idea of making a set process for our pre-production, our production process, because I always thought like every video is different because we create things like animations we do interview-based videos. We do videos with actors, with videos with voiceovers. So each one is different. But again, um, once I really sat down and we we outlined a full process where, hey, 90% of the videos are going to go through most of these steps, that's where, again, it allowed us to kind of scale and have a, a, just a set uh, checks and balances and milestones along the way. And, and the big thing is being able to bring someone in drop them into that process and have them be able to understand where they fit within the, where their role is versus before when it was all up in my head, uh, it was really hard to add people because it was a lot of training, a lot of onboarding to get people up to speed. But again, like everything is documented now and we can add people and, and remove people from that pretty quickly. Amazing. So it sounds as though that are you still deeply involved in the creative side of the business or are you more on making sure and overseeing everything's happening and if so how do you balance that creativity versus the ongoing demands of the business yeah so uh, i'm definitely involved on the creative side i would say i'm more involved on the strategic side um, a lot of what our clients come to us for is they've never created a video before so they really don't know what they like and what they dislike yet and so pointing them in the right direction of saying, you know, this type of video is going to help this type of product be promoted via Facebook uh, versus a different type of video might be better if we're going to promote it on connected TV or, you know, cable TV or even TikTok now. Like we have a lot of different strategies. So I'm, I'm pretty involved on, I guess, like the the content side of deciding what type of video and the format that we're going to be delivering. But then I do bring in basically outside, um, deciding on the the nuances of, of the lighting, maybe the music choice, selecting actors and things like that. I've never been one to, I hate to say I don't care. It just, it's not super important to me because I know that if we switch out an actor, as long as the content is there, um, it's going to be a useful tool to our clients. So at the end of the day, my goal is always to create a a video or a piece of content that's going to help our clients accomplish whatever their goals are. So that could be to oftentimes sell more product, you know, drive more traffic to a website. But sometimes it's other things, whether it's an educational video to make sure that their customers fully understand how to use a product, which at the end of the day raises customer satisfaction or trains an employee on how to uh, build a product or distribute something. And again, just it, it accomplishes their goals. There's a lot of different things you can do with video and that that's where I live in on the day to day normally. The strategic side. That's great. Well, I think that a lot of folks considering going into the business or newcomers in the business, or even those that have been in it a few years, they're probably currently by choice or not by choice, still in the out there grabbing shots in the field and then running back and doing the editing and that sort of thing. But you've, you've found a way to sort of separate yourself and really focus on your strengths. That's what it sounds like. 
Yeah, and and you know, surrounding myself with the right team members that that I can trust to to execute those things. I, I would say I'm I'm on set personally, probably again 80-90% of the time. I'm not just completely hands off, but you'll oftentimes just see me basically sitting in the corner on a computer. Uh, working with potential clients, taking on biz dev type things. But we have really cool technologies now that allow me to view what's being filmed on my phone. You know, I can see it in real time. I can see what's been recorded. So if there are any things that, again, I'm not super big on giving creative input, but again, strategic input. If the product is not being displayed in the format that I know the client wants or, um, as small as uh, as you know, some distracting element in the video, then I, I would hop in and collaborate with with the people actually directing or filming the video. But yeah, I'm not the one out there anymore clicking the record button. Yeah. So, what sort of distinguishes your firm in the market in Orange County or throughout the general Los Angeles area? What is it that you're doing that is uh, proving to be successful? Yeah. So I think going back to what I was saying at the beginning, like our process, I think is key. It is a little bit hard to advertise the process as being the most important thing. But uh, if you talk to our customers, you read some of the reviews that we have uh, with our past customers, our process makes sure that not only are we efficiently getting through a project, uh, we're hitting the deadlines that are required, but we do have clear collaboration points with the client. So they are comfortable going all the way through knowing that they're going to get the video that they want. Again, other video production companies, oftentimes the clients just don't know what's going on until they get the video at the end. And when you deliver a video at that point, it's too late uh, to adjust something in the script, change an actor, things like that. So we have, again, we have those checkpoints to make sure the client's reviewing and, and understanding it. The other thing that I think we really take to heart, just being a small business ourselves, growing the business with small budgets and smaller clients, um, no matter the size of the project, we really take an, what we call like an entrepreneurial approach to the production and the budgeting of a project. So if we don't have to go spend extra money, whether it be to source specific locations, to rent certain types of equipment. Um, We're not going to do that just to make the budget bigger. And at the end of the day, that's passing savings down to to the client side. And And they see that and they know that. So different clients want different things. So some of our bigger clients with with larger budgets, they might want to be completely hands-off. So we're going to pay, we're going to rent every location, we're going to source every big thing that they want. Versus some of these smaller clients that we work with, it's more important to have something come in under budget or, you know, within a certain limit. So we will offer up, hey, here's a free location that we're able, we have access to. If you guys want to utilize this, we're not going to charge you for that. Or that's where our studio comes into play. A lot of times we'll film things in our studio instead of sourcing a location, again, passing those savings on to the client. And then the only other kind of thing that I've noticed uh, that separates us is, is we've invested heavily over the last couple of years of owning all of our own equipment. So like I said, we have multiple Sprinter vans. We have multiple 6K RED cameras. We have all of the lighting equipment, audio equipment to do, I would say, like the majority of our commercial productions can be done without sourcing any outside equipment. That allows us to be flexible on schedule, film something really quickly, and again, not have to incur costs every time we turn on the camera. A lot of production companies just don't have that kind of base where 
they can invest that kind of money into these cameras that that cost you know as much as a car now. So those other companies are renting a camera every single time they go out and film, and, and it's fairly common. But it's just something that, that we decided to invest into early. Mm-hmm. And in order to maintain that kind of overhead you've got there, you've mentioned a studio, you've mentioned uh, some staff members, you've mentioned a couple of 6K RED cameras, which I know aren't cheap, et cetera. How is it that you're finding clients that are able to afford your services, say, compared to someone else without all of that gear? Yeah, um, it it helps that we've been around for a, a long time. We have a, a big Rolodex of past clients. We try as hard as we can to make sure that once they've produced a video with us, they're happy with the end result. They want to come back and hire us again. Um, so we do have a lot of repeat clients. And, and when I say repeat clients, we have some clients that come back to us every quarter when they're launching a new product. And we've had some clients that have come back to us five years after they did their first video just because they haven't needed a video since then. But again, we keep top of mind when it comes to just basically anything video. So a big like return customer base. We do have a really big referral base as well. I'm personally on the board for the Ad Federation of Orange County. So there's over 150 advertising agencies right here in Orange County that, that specialize in different things, whether it's a company like ours that does video, there's companies out there that do social media, websites, things like that. We oftentimes service those agencies on their behalf for their clients. So again, if, if the, you know you hire an agency and you need a website, you probably also need a, a video or things like that. And we, we, we get brought in, whether that's on a white label basis to work for that agency or just a straight referral. And then the, the big thing, again, is just um, if you search our name, you search video production company in Orange County, we have hundreds of five-star reviews from our clients, our past clients. Um, so we kind of have that proof of success and, and happiness. And, and we're happy to, to offer referrals You know, if people wanted to check out our, our past clients. But we, we just have kind of that, that good, big reputation here, at least in Orange County. Great referrals, great testimonials, completely underrated way to grow the business and, and maintain the business. So uh, well said for sure. How do you stay profitable while growing? Tell, let's talk a little bit about the challenges of that. Because you know, bringing in work may or may not be easy. Staying profitable is sometimes challenging on these projects. Can you address that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, profit on a on a project-to-project basis, it, it, that definitely does fall on basically myself uh, on properly pricing out a project. Um, you know, so if someone comes in and they describe what they want and the budget, they say their budget's $20,000, but they describe a project that should cost $30,000, it's about in a nice way figuring out how do we, whether uh, we get them to increase their budget, we get them to lower their expectations. I never want to say, hey, we can do that $30,000 project for 20 and, and actually deliver a $20,000 project, you know, they're not going to be happy with that. So th- there is that biz dev side of it, making sure we're setting proper expectations so that we can be profitable. Um, but then when it comes, once it enters our doors and we start working on it, it does lay on the, the project manager and the producer for that project. So we, we have three major checkpoints throughout the project where we actually review the full budget. So what we, we have a budget, template that we created. So when we kick off a project, we 
input everything what we're estimating things should cost at each phase. And again, we we basically can see that if we follow this plan, it'll be profitable at the end or it'll be close or whatever it might be. And those are things we watch out for. We then review that same budget um, at what we call like the, the production section of our process, which is like the day of filming. So right before we go into filming, we're going to review that that budget. Oftentimes you'll see that there is either you know, a deficit in that budget or there's a surplus. And based off of that, we might make some small adjustments uh, literally the day before the production on how big the crew is, how much we're spending on even small things like craft services and props and wardrobe and things like that. And then the third time is actually after production. Before we go into the editing phase, we're going to review that budget one more time to basically tell the editing team um, how much time they can allocate to to edit it so that we are still, again, profitable. At the end of the day, we are always going to push to make sure that we are delivering the, the product that the client wants at a, at a high quality versus saying, hey, we have to, to make a certain really hard line profit. Um, and obviously, when you look at the books, uh, it doesn't look amazing every month because of that. But um, it, it's something, again, that uh, we think we've seen through the years at the end of the, the day that that is going to help make our customers happy, keep us in business, get our referrals up and things like that. Um, I think that the major factor, though, on overall uh, profitability within the company is just on uh, lead flow and incoming projects. Since we are not the type of agency that's on a retainer where we have a guaranteed like contract with, an, with a company for six months, a year, whatever it might be, we're really just sitting here, you know, kind of waiting for projects to come through the door. So when... November is coming up, like November, December, when every company seems to be on on vacation, uh, taking breaks, they're out of the office. Uh, we definitely see a dip and, and we have to prepare for that. And we'll have busier months that that counteract that. But we've kind of learned to see those kind of trends that we're going to be seeing as, as those different milestones kind of, or not milestones, but different holidays, different uh, back to school events or things like that might affect our, our business flow. What advice Tori, would you give to newcomers? Because that is our audience uh, for the podcast. Those considering video production, uh, newcomers, or even those just sort of in the early years, or maybe old uh, old guys like uh, me that are interested in hearing the insights from others. What advice do you have for uh, those wanting to get into video production? Um, so again, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to go at it. And there, a lot of people have done it in different ways. One of the things that I have seen a lot of value and I think a lot of people can easily take advantage of this is to understand and to become at least partially talented at doing every step of uh, the services you're offering. So if you're talking like just purely production, like understanding how cameras work, understanding how lighting works, how audio works, so that you not only can potentially step in and help uh, when needed, but also you know how to talk the talk and you can kind of plan with a little bit, a level of expertise or a level of knowledge. Just to give you an example, if you hire a director of photography, a DP, and you request them to set up a scene and they say it's going to take two hours to set up that scene, um, if you have no experience in like cameras and lighting and things like that, like you really don't have much to be able to push back on that. 
But again, like I said, since I was a DP, I was doing the lighting. I've had experience in that. Even as things change on the technology side, I can still come in and be like, hey, what if we adjust it in this format or, or, you know, maybe we approach it a little bit differently so that we can can be a little bit more efficient in this setup and efficiency is the name of the game when it comes to production and and making sure, going back to what you were saying with profitability, making sure that we're actually going to be making money on that, the production day. So getting your hands dirty and understanding it, I think can go a long way. And that also goes to, I guess, when you were saying like profitability and even cash flow, if you do have a downturn on a quarter or a month and you don't have a lot of uh, lead flow coming in on the business side, You, if you understand how to produce some of these videos, not to say it's the best business advice to always be in the weeds, but you are able to step in if you need to, to increase that profitability by saying, hey, we maybe we don't need to to outsource this writing or, you know, we don't need to bring in so much outside crew because we're going to, you know, hunker down and actually produce some of these with the people in-house. And again, you can increase your profitability for a couple months. It won't be super efficient, but it allows you to do that uh, as needed. Amazing. Amazing. Um, great insight um, and some great advice. Tori, where can listeners, where can our listeners find you online? Why don't you give us your virtual pin about how uh, folks can track you down? Yeah. Um, so our website for Sparkhouse is going to be the best spot. We have a ton of content on there, both about our our process, our company, and and the thousands of videos that we produce. So that's going to be the T-H-E sparkhouse.com. Also on there, if you guys visit our website, sign up for our featured Friday email list. Every Friday, we send out our favorite and most recent video that we produce for one of our clients. So again, it's just kind of a fun way to see what we're doing because I can't put everything on our website. There's just too much stuff. Um, but every Friday we email out whether it's a, a commercial or a training video or a testimonial video, something that that we produced over the last month. And then myself personally, I have my own website, torytea.com. So T-O-R-R-E-Y-T.com. I just did the T because as you said at the beginning, Tyanak is a little bit tricky uh, to spell and say. So I just left it there. But um, you can check out there. I got a bunch of articles that I've written both on video and business, on Entrepreneur Magazine and Forbes and things like that that you can reference out. Good stuff. That's Tori Tyanek. Tori, thanks very much again. Thanks for being on the podcast today and keep crushing it out there. Hey, I appreciate it.